going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. It's a Monday, and it's an unusual Monday, because I'm actually in a good mood. Usually I'm in this terrible, crappy mood on Mondays, but on Friday night, I ended up unintentionally at ladies' night. And it was a great time. I learned all about the power of the... Oh, I can't say that on air. Uh, But... One person was a sex therapist. It was fascinating getting her thoughts on Louis C.K. and everything that's going on. Uh, Amanda was there. The, her, the sex therapist, Tabitha, Beth, Lisa. Lisa! As Greg says, that's like the best name to moan to. Lisa! And I saw earlier today, folks, that a guy I had on my show in the month of September to kick off the show, Joe Quirk. He heads the Seasteading Institute out in California, and he uh, is the head of Blue Frontiers. And they just contracted with a company, as I told you during the interview, in French Polynesia uh, to build some floating cities. And one of the things Mr. Quirk uh, essentially said is he was on a cruise ship, and he realized, why does this floating city essentially work so well, and yet my everyday life doesn't? And Mr. Cork got the exposure he deserves on Drudge and in the New York Times today, so big things for them. But my guest tonight is Troy. And I have to say that Troy and I go way back. There's a lot of tales that could be told. We could tell the tale of the boat, though he's already looking at me with a furrowed brow. Not tonight. Not tonight? Not tonight. We're not going to talk about the boat tonight? It was a dark time. You're right. And that's too heavy to jump into. But we made our friendship, I think, on a floating city. On a cruise, the Carnival Cruise, a spectacle of the seas. It was um, it was quite the learning experience. But before we ended up going on the cruise, you invited me to some. It was a movie. Yes, it was Fat Albert. Fat Albert. Well, that franchise is ruined. It wasn't good at the time. No. And now it's unseemly to put it mildly. Yes, because of the connection to Cosby. What? What Cosby did? Oh. Brutal. Well, and you go back and you look at all these jokes. Now, what Louis C.K. did wasn't as bad as Cosby. Drugging somebody and having sex with them is a lot worse than pulling your junk out. And yeah. yeah, but still weird. Like, I've never misread somebody and just pulled my junk out. Well, that's what he said. He said, I used to misread people <laughs> back then. Now, I, I certainly have never been in a situation where I'm quote unquote reading somebody. And that's my ultimate conclusion is to diddle myself. Well, and the uh, sex therapist told me maybe he wanted to get caught. It's like, that's an interesting angle. Maybe he wanted to get caught. I I certainly would have discussed the power aspect of it, but if if he's finding himself in a situation where he misreads someone that intensely, let alone the person he was trying to apologize to responded by saying, you didn't do that. So, it's clear that he was trying to apologize to somebody else. 
Well, and I think every guy, whether you've done something or not, with all these stories coming out, has gone like, okay, let me do a quick inventory of my life. Yeah. Uh, let me think about this for a second. I kind of, you know, it's not bad being back on my heels. I'm just checking. Just checking. And actually, it's at Fat Albert that we ended up, I think it was my first date. Yeah, I, I mean... We were in line. We were, <laughs> Yes, we were in line, and there were these two women in front of us. I suppose since we were teenagers at the time, there were these two young ladies in front of us. Yeah, and we had to be 16 because we were driving. Yeah, and I saw that they were getting tickets to the movie, and this was our first time really hanging out, and we had decided we were going to see Fat Albert too, or did we? I can't remember if we decided we were going to see that or not, but we just made the decision there. Regardless, um, I said out loud, loud enough for them to hear, I can't believe we're going to be the only people in Fat Albert. <laughs> and they turned around and they said, no, we're going to see it too. Oh, and from there, see, you were always the instigator. I was the guy saying, hey, let's do this quietly. And it's weird that I'm now on radio and I'm an instigator of sorts. Maybe I'm finding my voice. I can whisper into the microphone and get people to do things. I believe the words you're looking for are agent provocateur. Mm, yes. Yes, I'm quite the iconoclast. I mean, people are very upset with me. Apparently, somebody called into another show earlier that I said, I have decided that the people are so wise. I'm leaving my fate, the fate of Alabama and the fate of the country, up to the wisdom of the people. I'm going to refrain from voting. And apparently, if you don't join the people, that people turn on you or something like that. But, uh, you know, I'm here to say that uh, I'm not going to participate in this little shindig. But anyway, it works out with your silver tongue that we go to this movie with these young ladies. It's true. And the movie was terrible. The movie was awful. But it was worth it in terms of meeting somebody. Indeed. See, we can tell your story whether you want to or not. But here's my end of the story. I met this young woman from that little gambit you threw out there. Hey, we're going to be the only ones in Fat Albert. And it comes to that awkward moment, especially when you're a teenager, that awkward moment when you're like outside the car, you're kind of like looking down at your feet, like I'm shuffling your feet. I don't know what I want. And the girl is giving me the look of like, kiss me already, damn it. And this is my problem. I'm like that that lord or that duke in Twelfth Night. I'm in love with the idea of being in love. I'm just like this hopeless romantic. And so when I look at this, again, 16, folks, I look at her, and I like see, if I kiss this girl, I see my whole life ahead of me. Like married kids, terrible divorce because Joey's always sleeping on the couch. It's just like all this stuff came up. I see my whole life in front of me, so I don't kiss her. I'd like to go on the record and say that that was probably a mistake. <laughs> probably was. It was. It was like, ah, uh, what an idiot. How awkward I was back then. I'm still awkward now. Terrible with women. At least, like, approaching women. I'm pretty good on a first date. Well, you live and you learn. That was a learning experience. Yeah. You, you chose to kiss, though. I did. I think it was... A week or two later, we were in the parking lot of a Taco Bell on Atlanta wow. Highway. That's romantic. By the uh, Krispy Kreme. Yeah. That's where we were. Yeah. And that was when I kissed her. You were now married to her, right? 
No. Oh, well, I guess I was wrong then. <laughs> well, when you're a teenager, life is pendulumic. Well, and so we we have our little fun. Uh, I think you and I really bonded on the silly back and forth, the pithy bon mots. Didn't we go on a double date with them to a wing restaurant? Yes. And you ordered the Hot Lips. Yes, I ordered the Hot Lips. This is Bob Baumauer's old place just called Wings. Mm-hmm. Baumauer's now a sponsor. We go there all the time every week. So, yeah, it's the old Wings when they were on the other side of the Eastern Boulevard from where they are now. And I got the Hot Lips. And that was a decision at the time where you weren't super into spicy food. Right. You're right. And it, I am now, it stayed true to its name. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting night. And do you remember we had somebody crash that date? Who was it? A current roommate of mine, Jonathan. Jonathan, we're all, folks. Again, we're on this date. We're awkward, weird little teenagers. And so, obviously, a date is a huge deal. Even a double date when you're in a, a pack and it's like for safety, like animals, uh, like antelope. And uh, we're sitting there. I have just ordered the hot lips. And Jonathan shows up. And he had on, do you want tickets to the gun show? That's, that shirt. That is so correct. Oh, my goodness. And then he come up and do, like, the Hulkamania flex or something. Like, ah! It's like, we can't even go on a date in this town. It was something like that because I remember distinctly making fun of him for it. But Jonathan, he just blew right by it. Because of the guns. When you have the guns oh. like that, you can do that. When you have the guns, uh, you get away with a lot. I mean, you're able to conquer not only women, but nations with the guns. But really, isn't the crux of it conquering yourself? It's wise. I think so. Bettering yourself. Bettering yourself. And didn't we have a whole, like, betterment program? Well, that was a crapshoot. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that didn't work out very well. We had, a, we had another game, too. That ended up getting us in some trouble. Oh, the points game? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's something in the inventory where it's like, man, we were pigs. Yeah, it wasn't good. Stupid teenagers. Some might say lecherous. Yeah. Well, essentially, the game was you get points for you know kissing somebody or hooking up with somebody. It was like American Pie, but worse. And this again, folks, these are the influences we grow up with. In sixth grade, I remember watching American Pie over and over and over again. The whole premise of that movie is to get laid before senior year is up. And it's like, oh, this is the, uh, the Girl Next Door. It's another major influence. That is a fantastic movie, though. It is, if the juice is worth the squeeze. Words I still live by. And now, you're one of the few people I can ask this, and uh, you'll understand it. If you wanted to buy a Sam Cooke Albert, where would you go? The Recasto. The Recasto. Thank you. Thank you. Because you endured my love for Prince over the years. At times, it did seem like I was enduring it. But at yeah. other times, I found myself almost gleeful. Yeah. Oh, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. And I'm uh, rest in peace, Prince. Rest in peace. But, okay, we're on this floating city. This cruise. Where we really bond. But I remember we're with your folks. And... Uh, we had a separate room from your folks, so we're not staying in the same cabin as them. Correct. We were in an interior cabin, if I recall, and they had a lovely cabin that overlooked the ocean yes. and had a balcony and everything. And one thing I'll never forget, we walked into that room. I remember this. And there was a single bed. Oh. There were two beds that were put together, 
and it was just for us. And in our awkwardness, yeah, we said no. Yeah, we can't have this. We can't have this at all. Yeah, it was like instead of saying, "Oh, we get to you know be spooning buddies," it's like, "Okay, we're just too insecure." It's like separate the bets, separate the bets. Yeah, we had to call someone in for that. Yeah, and make then, it official. And then we have a whole strategy, like you know, put a sock on the door. That didn't work. It was out, a right? sock or a tie, if I recall. Probably a tie. Tie's more classy. We're the classy types, right? Of course. Yeah, we're the classy types. But we met so many people on the the cruise. And I feel like I haven't talked about this in years, so I need to give a shout-out. A big shout-out to Scoonie U-Turn Singleton. You were the man, you along with your friend Galileo Humpkins. Like, man, some of these people, they're all from all over the world. And this is where you get the funky names. This international community mm-hmm. coming together on a floating city. Do you remember anybody else? Um, hummingbird Saltalamachia. Oh, I remember Hummingbird. Was brilliant. Could bite a beer top off. Like, open a beer bottle mm-hmm. with his teeth. Hummingbird was quite the gentleman. I would say the majority of the contents of his stomach were wine corks. Uh, yeah, he would just ingest them after. Developed a taste for it. Yeah. Chesterfield McMillan and wife. I never got his wife's name. Uh, not sure where those folks are now. But I remember Scrooge Jones. He came up to me. And he gave me a tiny piece of gold. And he said, cherish this. Cherish this. Cherish this forever. And I lost it the next night. That's the way of things sometimes. I, I think uh, Squirts McIntosh would also come in and say something similar. Oh, um, man. Can we tell the story of how Squirts got his name? Is that safe for the air? I don't think it is. Okay. Yeah, but Squirts, <laughs> Squirts was... Uh, well, his name's Squirts. Goodness gracious. But... Uh, Man, it was a crazy time. I remember Wilson. Good old Wilson Harris. Wilson was a good dude. I think Wilson actually brought you out of your shell he did. more than I did. I attempted it a whole bunch, but since I was never very musically inclined, and just as a, a preface, you brought your guitar along on this cruise. Oh, that's true. Yeah, It was my safety blanket for cruises, parties, anything, so I didn't have to actually talk to people. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> no, Wilson Wilson saw you had your guitar, and he brought along a guitar as well. And things escalated. Oh, quickly. I think we serenaded about half of the ship. Well, you did. I stood in the back and occasionally chimed in. <laughs> I feel really bad for those people that would get on the elevator and... We're just trying to go to the Lido deck or their rooms or what have you, only to hear two teenage young men sing Prince on acoustic guitars. Well, and it was a particular Prince song. It was Sexy MF. So, using the Die Hard uh, edit for this, it's essentially what would happen is somebody would step into the elevator and the guitar would start. Just a simple A chord, A minor, or whatever. You get this funky little chord. Ding, 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 ding. Just go on and on and on until the turnaround would come around. Burr, burr, burr. You sexy melon farmer. And then we keep rocking out and playing. And I can tell you how many couples, how many people looked at us like, we paid thousands of dollars for this cruise. And we got kids in an elevator singing sexy melon farmer. 
I want my money back. Although, to be fair, I would say there was a, a large portion of them that were happy to be serenaded. Mm. Perhaps the lesson there is that at some point in their life, someone should be serenaded. Yes, it should happen. Although, in an elevator over international waters on a cruise ship by a group of young men with acoustic guitars, perhaps not the best. It wasn't really a, a serenade, more um, accosting, I think that would be the word. Yeah, we were singing at them. Yeah, it wasn't really like people were asking us to sing. It was aggressive singing. It, it certainly was aggressive. It was like, yeah, uh, well, we grew up with all those prank shows. Like uh, Jackass, for instance, was a mm-hmm. huge influence on our generation. Do you remember Brian Stevenson? He was from Canada. He hung out with Matt Shirley and us playing music a lot. Didn't he become a drummer for, I'm not sure what genre of metal it was, but I'm fairly certain it was a metal band. Yeah, well, a Canadian metal band that was like, really, we drink beer, we hang out in the snow, and we play hardcore rock music. Yeah. Um, and I, I miss that guy because... I remember learning this particular song I'm about to play. I went way back, and it's been a topic on this show, Troy, of like how music takes you back to a certain time period. Mm-hmm. And when we're going to Fat Albert, and we're picking up chicks, when we're going on the cruise and accosting people with our music, um, the soundtrack, I think, was Silver Tide. A big part of it. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. And I looked these guys up, this morning, and you, even before we went on air here, it was like, they had to come out with a second album. Yeah. This is the first album was so kick-ass that it was like, oh my... We've, I mean, I'm fairly certain we could have gone through a couple of speakers blowing them out so loud. Yeah, like Devil's Daughter, Blue Jeans. Mm-hmm. Foxhole, Jesus Christ. Oh, so good. Um, Mary Jane. Ooh. Yeah. And some of these songs I want to play, not say for FCC radio. But the big hit they had, and I remember learning this song with Brian, and it just was like perfect for a 16, 17 year old. No, not I am 16 going on 17. For some reason, that's been stuck in my head all like the last few weeks. Damn you, Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, this isn't something that you would find in a church theater group. No. No. No, this is rebellious rock and roll. And it doesn't surprise me that these guys never had another album. I think they partied too hard. But the song is, I Ain't Coming Home by Silvertide. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Alongside me is Troy, my best friend. Good to be here. And this is working out well. I've got a feeling this is going to turn into like Mondays with Troy. Because coming up, we might need you to diagnose why I watched Mamma Mia over the weekend. I don't know. You're already giving me that look. Well, we'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark.
Welcome back to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Another song from when we were 16s. And this song has, you don't have to share too much, it has special uh, weight to you. How songs can take you back to a pleasant memory. The entire album played twice. The entire album played twice? Yes, I. this particular album is excellent for that very reason. <laughs> That's impressive. This album's like 40-something minutes. So it's like an hour and a half of good, clean fun. In a way. In a way, yeah. Uh, and what happened to Maroon 5? Like they, they just came out with another album, didn't they? I it's called Red Pill Blues or Blue Pill Red, something like that. I haven't really listened to it in detail. It's just, for me, they got more disco, funky, pop. As opposed to songs about Jane, it's a pretty rocking album. Like Levine yeah. shows off his skills, and they got they got rid of it. It seems to me they got rid of their Prince influences. There was a song off their second album called Kiwi. Ah, oh, I remember that. And remember that song that. is a delight. Yeah, much like the fruit or the woman. I believe the song is named after. Oh, well, that's a cool name. I think it fits for the double entendre oh. he was trying to create. Oh, Kiwi. See, I'm a little slow. I'm still awkward and slow and oblivious. Like the other night, I had some cougar nestle up next to me and say, you know, our mutual friend? I'm like, yeah, I know our mutual friend. Like, first off, that's a weird question. You know so-and-so? Yeah, I do. He thought you and I were hooking up. And I said, well, that's weird. That's interesting. Did she do this mid-nestle? Yeah. It wasn't like a, a, a hugging nestle, but it was like leg to leg, where there was plenty of bench. Initiating physical contact. Yeah, exactly. And so I just played off, oh, that's weird. Uh, and she's like, well, I'm like, I'm like your mother. I'm like 12 years, 13 years older than you. And I said, that's never stopped me before. And then she did, a, I guess, a tousle. She like she tousled you? Yeah, she like oh, rubbed man. my head. It wasn't a, and it wasn't a noogie. It wasn't like, it was like a, it wasn't a pet, it wasn't a pat on the head. It was like a true, oh, mm-hmm. you, and she walked off. I was talking to another woman, and five minutes after the the rubbing of the head, uh, she, I asked her, this woman I'm talking to, was that lady trying to hit on me and hook up with me? You didn't realize that at the time? No. Well, I kind of did, but I wasn't certain. This is, again, how awkward and oblivious I am. You know, sometimes... I need to be hit by a bus <laughs> in terms of, I guess what this lady was trying to do, sensual aggressivity. Yeah. It, it needs to be really aggressive for me to see it, and clearly for you as well. Oh, yeah. I, you literally have to smack me in the head and go, I like you, you idiot. Mm-hmm. So please, anybody, feel free to smack me and say, I like you, you idiot. I guess I'm into that sort of thing. Clearly the tassel doesn't work. No, no. Well, if I felt a little um, infantilized by it. Well, especially with the content of the discussion. Right. Mentioning your mother. Yeah, that was weird. That was, it was odd. And, you know, we forgot to um, mention some names from the cruise. Um, I want to thank, and if you're out there listening, Emotep or He Cometh in Peace or uh, Control-Alt-Delete. Weird names, man. But uh, it was good meeting you. Lodge Blackman. Lodge. You sandbagging SOB. Lodge. I loved hanging out with you. We shared virgin daiquiris. We really got messed up that night. Yeah, the sugar rush. And that was all thanks to one of the bartenders, Mrs. Whittleberry. 
Mrs. Whittle, I haven't thought of her in ages. It's been a while. Now, I went on another cruise after I graduated from college. I'm skipping ahead in the story. Hmm. But it was a Disney cruise. And for a young 20-something just out of college, it was like the worst thing ever. Now, it was great. It was the last hurrah it turned out with my family. Um, like, it was a good fun. But everywhere you go on a Disney cruise, I brought my guitar once again, my safety blanket. Right. But Disney music everywhere. Now, was this before or after Disney bought Star Wars? Before, I believe. Oh, man. It stinks, I know. I, I would have been hanging out with the Marvel Star Wars people. Oh, yeah. But I think this is like Iron Man had come out. Because mm. Iron Man came out in like 08, I right. think. Yeah, so this is 11. This is 2011. But before we ever went to college, there was... Uh, we loved the comedian. We would just ride around in the car. And now this guy gets all sorts of heat. And I think some of it's warranted joke stealing and whatnot. But it was the Dane Cook album that came out. I think it was his second album. And it appealed to us at 16, 17 years old. Yes. Ridiculous. Hilarious. And he had a really good rapport with the crowd. And I think... For us, we might not have spoken it out loud at the time or said it, but the way he interacted with the crowd really influenced how we interacted with other people. It really did. Yeah, we learned from that. I think some of our back and forth also from like Sports Night and Sorkin shows, the repeating. The repeating? Yeah, we did a lot of repeating. Uh, we certainly did do a lot of repeating. Yeah, and fun factoid out here, out, <laughs> off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it, it's weird how the things... How the things influence you. That's a profound statement, Joey. But then we work at this place called Fun Zone. And I guess we were, we saw somebody, Jawan, at Fun Zone when we were having dinner the other night. It might be coming back. Yeah, I think he said the owner, at the, her name is Miss Lisa. Yeah. She's been telling people that Fun Zone's coming back to Montgomery. Um, for those of you that don't know, Fun Zone was destroyed by a tornado. Joey and I were actually in the building that morning at 5 a.m. Yeah. filming a commercial. Yeah, and we were on the stupid little carts that you could ride on mm -hmm. the skating rink. And then, it was a couple hours later, 9 or 10, I had a young man, a good friend of mine, named Michael Thorpe. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Michael. He came up to me and he said, Fun Zone is done zone. He said that. And that's always stuck with me. And I was really confused as to what he meant. And he said, yeah, it got destroyed by the tornado. And so, at that point, I had moved on or was moving on to being a pharmaceutical technician. Yeah. Working in a pharmacy. But they still needed help with construction cleanup, which you had had experience with. Yes. And we had that job at Fun Zone, helping them salvage and clean up stuff for a good few months afterwards. And yeah, it was... Uh, I learned a lot. Yeah, well... Particularly about fire extinguishers. And uh, bulletproof glass, can it be broken with a dumbbell? The answer is no. No. Um, and then, weren't we like breaking fluorescent lights on each other too? I don't think it was on each other. Um, because I remember we had, since we had grown up watching Jackass. Yeah. Um, we saw them break fluorescent lights on each other and the blood that it drew. And we were like, mm, no. But we did spray fire extinguisher on one another. And this wasn't the fire extinguisher that is a foam. 
No, this was the powder. Oh, yeah. Really. I suppressed that memory. Really oh. sucks the oxygen out of the room. <clears throat> oh, and, and for folks who are wondering, it was a wasteland. I think what the story we got is that the tornado threw a car from the post office and somehow it punctured the roof of this building. Mm-hmm. And the building was supposed to withstand tornado winds. And because it was punctured, it lifted the entire roof up and then dropped it back in on itself. So the whole building collapsed inward. These huge steel columns collapsed inward. And it was a complete wasteland. So in that situation, we're salvaging what we can. But it also makes for a lot of fun. This stuff's already messed up. Why not make it more messed up? It's a blasty blast. We have a lot of stories from Fun Zone. There was a lot of poo involved. A lot of children. Children smell bad. The, the ball pit. Oh, goodness. It is not a litter box. However, it was used as a litter box. Yeah. A little girl came up to me. Uh, sir, somebody uh, pooed in the, uh, in the soft play. I'm like... What? And I went to go put my head in the first tunnel and went, oh, yeah, somebody definitely did. Orlando, please come clean this up. I don't want to clean up the poo. Orlando. Now, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. What a lovely guy. I wonder what he's up to. Orlando was the guy, folks, who would essentially lead the skating festivities. He was the DJ, and he would get out there and skate himself, have the mic in hand as he was skating. That man could boogie, too. And do you remember, and I don't want to get him in any trouble, but you remember Dodgeball? I'm not at liberty to say. (laughs) From what I remember, it's like, dodgeball time! And the staff would all get around the skating rink. And small children would congregate in the center of the rink. Mm -hmm. And we would then peg them with regulation dodgeballs while Mm -hmm. they were on skates. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed we got away with it. This was how these children became young adults. Yeah, yeah, we put them through. It was a rite of passage, really. We put them through the ringer. And, uh, oh, man, that's actually, I think we put Brutal Hustler through a little too much. He, uh, he ended up hustling for most of his days, grinding, not in the good way. You know, and sometimes, not to name any names, you meet somebody with a little man syndrome, and it's like, a little much. It's like, a little much, yeah, stop trying to act like a badass. You're, uh, you're kind of acting like an a-hole. Um, it's weird uh, how you meet all these folks in your life, and... I'm sure you've seen this, like people I haven't thought of in ages, where you used to live with them or you used to hang out with them, and now, like, I mean, are you remembering some of these folks? Like Jonas Gustafson. Oh, Gustafson, how do I forget that? We had so much fun pronouncing that last name. Oh, man, we go feed the swans, but aggressively, <laughs> like we're creating foie gras, but that's ducks, not, or geese. Um... Man, Gustafsson. It was good times with him. Mm-hmm. Really good times. Now, I really want to play uh, as a preview for Friday. I, it's a huge get. Jeff Cummings of the Montgomery Area Musicians Association set this up. Uh, and it's the band, Simo, headed by J.D. Simo, will be here on Friday. And I'll have a show later that night at the Blue Iguana, which I will also be emceeing, which really means I'll come out and go, ladies and gentlemen, Simo. Oh, no, you need to you need to be a hype man. Oh, I need to be a hype man? Hype man. I'm thinking eight mile kind of hype man. Okay. Well, I don't have that type of flow. No, you know me. But you've got a certain je ne sais quoi. That's true. I don't know what that is, but uh, 
Um, I believe that's the literal oh, translation of the word. The I don't yeah. Yeah, the X factor. You know that elusive charisma that I don't have. Um, Is it elusive if you just whisper it? <laughs> but the song I wanted to play. It's off the new album by Simo. Uh, Rise and Shine, and the song is called I Want Love. And the studio version of this... Is this the song that you sent me? I think I sent you I Pray, which is a 13-minute song, too long for the airwaves. But it, was it was really, really good, though. It was like a psychedelic throwback. I was not expecting that out of them. But this song is called I Want Love, and it's sort of a... Well, it reminds me of the Alabama Shakes, except with face-melting solos. Without further ado, I Want Love by Simo. They'll be in studio on Friday.
Uh, that is Simo. The song is I Want Love off their new album, and they will be here Friday. I'm extremely pumped for that show. It uh, should be a blast. And, oh, Troy, it looks like we have somebody on the phone. Should we go to door number one? Door number one. Let's see what's door behind it. Door number one. News Talk, you're on the air. This is Joey, and Joey's with Troy. Hey, hey Joey, this is Rick. Planetarium Rick, how you doing? Hey, Rick, how are you? Howdy, Rick. I just wanted to check in with you. It's going well. Um, everything go well with the laser light show and the Floyd? It was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, for folks who don't know, this is Rick Evans. He runs the Planetarium, the W.A. Gale Planetarium. And uh, I got caught up with Halloween festivities. So my sincerest apologies. Uh, my brother and them roped me in. And uh, it's been a weird whirlwind, Rick, because with our 10-year reunion, I'm sitting thinking back, and this is why, Troy, I brought you here tonight. Is like, what happened to like the last 10 years? It's like you look back, it's like a train at you. It is. Time has passed. Yes. Things have happened. Yeah. Well, Joey, you remember what we talked about with uh, Pink Floyd and that, that song about running after the sun, and then it sneaks up behind you. Right. And you're another day older and shorter of breath. Yeah, that midlife crisis uh, Mr. Waters is going through. And I and I do relate, um, where you're sort of relating to that feeling of, oh, money and and time is catching up to you. I don't know. It's a profound album. And yeah. I got to get by there someday, so you can give me the private tour, Rick. I would love yeah, to. Yeah, I wish you would. I, I looked for you, and, I, and we sold out, so I was afraid that mm. you got turned away. And I was like, I uh, didn't want that to happen. I was going to get you in one way or the other. Well, I felt bad because I got done on Friday and I was dog tired. And then on Saturday, I got going with the Halloween partying. Um, and I'm mad at myself. I wish I had gone to your thing instead of... Alcohol doesn't treat me well. He really has been beating himself up, Rick. If you could see the look on his face right now. It's like a sad, yeah. sad puppy. Rick, is this well, is this show... Dark Side of the Moon in the planetarium? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We do it on the planetarium dome. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, like I told Joey, we set off pacemakers at Jackson's Hospital. <laughs> because of the base or the electricity? Well, because we got the dome, uh, just, the, just the volume, sheer volume of it. Yeah, the, um, the dome. And that sound system that we have in here is... I mean, crystal clear. So, um, but both of you, just come by. We'll do a private show. Okay. That sounds like a great idea. All right. I just wanted to check in with you, Joey. I listen every night. Oh, thank you, Rick. And I'll get by there soon. I'll be in touch, man. Okay, man. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, I got to own up to my mistakes. That was a mistake. I should have gone to the laser light show. Because we, Rick and I had this profound... Uh, kind of existential conversation. You know, I I never have those. <laughs> right. I remember one night we were at Fun Zone working, and you had a book by Jean Paul Sartre, <laughs> the introduction to existentialism. Yes. And this is we got to remember that you're balancing this with meeting women for the first time. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about it earlier. You maybe you kiss him, 
and then it's forever. <laughs> it lasts forever. <laughs> but on the other hand, you've got the depressing words of Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh, man. That's the guy who wrote No Exit, where literally hell is other people and you just can't leave the room. You have to carefully balance your love life with existential dread. Atheist ex existentialism, yeah. Yeah, that probably explains why I'm a real happy camper. And I keep thinking back, like, when was I, like, really happy? And I went, actually, never. <laughs> like, I enjoy life. I, like, we had a lot of good times in high school and fun zone and college and different places. Uh, but, like, that, that fulfillment. Like, didn't your parents ask you after I graduated, how did Joey feel? And you said something that was very truthful. You said, we probably didn't think that much of it. Right. Yeah, I think for you... Through the ups and downs in life, sometimes the ups hit harder than the middle ground, and sometimes the downs hit really hard. Mm. But for the most part, you always seem to keep a calm and cool head about things. I try to. That being said, I realize there's a tempest inside. And you might be able to keep it from others, but you can't keep it from me, sir. No, sir. There's a tempest inside. What do you mean? A raging storm, a torrent of emotions. I'm trying to keep it at bay. Well, that's your problem. You can't have a storm in a bay. They'll <laughs> shut down the bay. You're going to destroy the shipping lanes. It's true. It's true. No, it, it really it really only comes out in your music. Hmm. Because you will spend hours. Maybe, I believe, is it side chaining or side gating with percussion? Uh, both, actually. Okay. You can do both. You'll spend hours working on one particular drum sound. And then, of course, I'll come in and do my best to royally mess it up. <laughs> but in those instances of trying to find that perfection, there's a lot of honesty there. You're right. And it's quiet reflection because it's not really shared with anybody else. But if you observe from a distance, you'll see it. And honestly, man, um, from my heart of hearts, I'm trying to make the show about that exactly. And I think there's something when you perform politics, uh, whether you're with this team or that team, whether it's Team Conservative or Team Libertarian, two different teams I've played for, um, you're not genuine. You're always stumping for the team. Mm -hmm. And you forget who you are. And I'm trying to rediscover who I am outside of the political world. It, it seems to me that man has an inherently tribalistic nature. And so we always find ourselves either being told to go to bat for a particular team, or we search for some sort of anchor point yeah. of ideology or logic or reason. Or, in the case of watching a lot of news today, that just goes out the window <laughs> and it's all about emotion. Yeah, it is. But there's a... There's a real fear, it seems, that drives people to create or inhabit certain trains of thought. And I'm not exactly sure what that fear is. Hmm. Whether it's fear of being alone, fear of being outcast, fear of being isolated. But it's okay yeah. to feel that fear. It is. And if you take sort of the step... Uh, near the precipice and you go out there I on my phone for years has been the uh, tarot card of the fool and he's represented as a zero in tarot 
Um, but when they teach people tarot, I don't really know it that well, but they teach you the fool's journey. And essentially the fool, the card looks like he's setting out and he's like very happy and the sun is shining on his face and there's a little dog nipping at his heels, but he's about to fall off a cliff. And he doesn't even know it. And it leads you to the many steps where you learn respect for authority. You learn you have the dark night of the soul where you do feel alone. You're like, why do I even do any of this? And where I've come to is really it's about enjoying your friendships. It's about enjoying the natural pleasures of life. Don't go too addictive with it. There will be diminishing returns. But life is, at the end of the day, largely beautiful. And it's weird that I think people in our society forget that. Like, you can go to places that are dirt poor, and you see those people happy, smiling. Right. And it's not like they want it, that people die of disease. I mean, they would like some of the luxuries and necessities of modern life, but they, never having a taste of it, don't realize what they're missing. So they're happy in whatever comes their way. Um, it's something I think a lot of folks can learn from, from all the beautifully you said the very tribal nature of people latching onto this or that ideology so not to feel that that sort of forlornness i think is uh it, it, and, and it can be overwhelming which the overwhelming nature of that solitude is what drives people to interact indeed well i think we've only just begun it's going to be mondays with troy because we're out of time now that hour goes fast it certainly does this was an absolute pleasure yeah well, love you, brother. Look forward to next Monday. Love you too, man. Let's do it to it like lighter fluid. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. It's been the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I'll be back tomorrow night. Joey Clark. <laughs>